0: The Unstuff America podcast is hosted by the most organized man in America, Andrew Mellon. Listen in for Andrew's take on America's clutter crisis. From guns to gold, he dives deep into America's self-destructive obsession with possession and how that impacts the American dream. Get real-life tools and strategies to take responsibility, set yourself free, and live your values every day. And now, Andrew
1: Mellon. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Unstuff America. I'm your host, Andrew Mellon, and I am super excited about our guest today. She is Courtney Carver, and she is the founder of BeMoreWithLess.com and Minimalist Fashion Challenge Project 333. Her new book, Soulful Simplicity was published by Penguin Random House, which is also my publisher. And she shows us the power of simplicity to improve our health, build more meaningful relationships, and relieve stress in our professional and personal lives. Who doesn't want that? So welcome to the show, Courtney. It's great to have you here.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you having me here.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. So. Even with that introduction, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what a typical day looks like for you as it relates to stuff, the choices that you're making, just so we can get a sense of of who you are in a day in the life of Courtney.
0: Sure. Uh, My life today looks way different than it did even 10 years ago, Uh, but I live in Salt Lake City, Utah and have a, a small-ish apartment. I know it's all relative, and in New York City, it would probably be considered a larger apartment, for instance, <laughs> but where I live in in Salt Lake, it's, uh, it's a little over 900 square feet, and I work here and live here uh, with my husband and our two cats, and my daughter lives about three or four blocks away. She's 22, and I love having her close by. Amazing. Uh, we have gotten rid of a ton of stuff. Uh, five or six years ago, we lived in a 2,000-square-foot home with a garage, um, attic, storage area in the backyard. And we had all the things you were supposed to have in every room of the house. And today, yay. yeah. <laughs> and I spent decades getting there. So, mm. yeah, go me. And uh, today, we're the, really the opposite of that. I'm not opposed to stuff. I own things. and. Now I just really think about things in terms of, does this add value to my life? Does this help me in some way? Does it contribute to health, love, uh, the person that I want to be, or is it draining me or removing me from my life?
1: <clears throat> That's excellent. How, uh, so tell us a little bit about the journey there, so, because that is those essential questions, right? I mean, people ask me all the time, are you a minimalist? And I think, well... Uh, not necessarily. I mean, you can see I own things. Uh, I am an essentialist. I only have things that serve me in some way that support me in living my values on a daily basis. Sure. If, it's, if it's an obstacle to getting somewhere, whether that's physically getting somewhere or just being more of me with, with less uh, uh, tension or distraction that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for things that support me in that journey. So tell us how you went from 2,000 square feet and a, a lawnmower and possibly a snowblower and a chainsaw and all of the things that somebody might have when you own a piece of property to deciding maybe not so much.
0: Yeah, we had all of those things and more. And in, <laughs> 2000 and, and in addition to that, we had like heaps of debt I mean, tens of thousands of dollars in consumer debt, a house that was just killing us financially. And in 2006, everything kind of came to a screeching halt because I got sick. So it wasn't simplicity I was after. It was reducing or eliminating as much stress as I could after being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Got it. Yeah, this was like my enough is enough moment. I'm running myself into the ground, trying to keep up with this life that I don't even want. So we started, uh, my husband and I, and as a family, asking questions, like, um, well, I guess we didn't start with, do we need this house? But just looking at how we could start removing some stress because all the research I did pointed to stress as being a real contributor to MS relapses, Uh, disease decline, and not just for MS, but people with autoimmune conditions and really all of us. I mean, you know, I'm sure everyone can relate to feeling really run down and thinking, this is my body's way of telling me to slow down. But what do we do? We just, you know, coffee up and get to work. Exactly. So I had to make some different decisions. And I started with my diet by removing some different foods that I thought were stressful to my body. And then I looked at the most... The next most stressful thing, which for me was debt, and while we were paying down our debt and not bringing more stuff into the house, I started to notice my stuff as stressful, and I didn't really think of it like that before. But it was clearly always this reminder of my debt and my discontent and my um, shopping habits, and I wanted to change that. And that's when we started to eliminate the stuff and also notice that. The thread of all of these changes I was making was, in fact, simplicity, Uh, and that's where I got really excited about simplifying.
1: Excellent. So let's just extrapolate on that for the listeners, because uh, one of those life cycle events, like a diagnosis of MS, or something that really grabs your attention it's harder to ignore those. I mean, God knows there are people who do ignore those kinds of knocks on the door and keep plowing ahead. You answered the knock. You responded. I want for the folks who who maybe there's a quieter knock that isn't so demanding of their attention to also know that at any point, enough can be enough, right? I mean, you don't need it to be quite as stunning an announcement as a a life-altering diagnosis to to decide this isn't really serving me. This gerbil wheel that I'm on of accumulation and servicing unsecured debt is not bringing me any more happiness. I don't feel any more connected to the people I love. I don't feel any more available for the things that I want to spend my time doing. So, is there an alternative to the choices that I'm making and I could go in a different direction, right? I mean, you don't need, you don't need, uh, today could be that day. It could just be listening to the podcast. It could just be deciding I want to do something else.
0: Yeah. Unless you can't hear the knocks like me, I had plenty of wake up calls, plenty of those, quieter knocks before the MS diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And every time I would kind of hear it, and it kind of came in the form of of my inner voice, like, this isn't working, I need something different. I'm, what am I doing? When I would hear that, I would get so scared that I would just make everything louder and busier and crazier so that I didn't have to address it. And I think a lot of us do that. We cover up with more work, more obligations, more stuff, Instead of listening to those quiet knocks, because believe me, the knocks get louder and louder. (laughs) (laughs) They will not stop.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I I guess I I just am hopeful in that way that I am a cockeyed optimist that uh, at any point folks can make a different choice. That that it is. It's as simple as opening your hand and letting something fall literally figuratively out of it instead of grasping it and, cl- and clenching it harder, if that has not served you in the past, perhaps the alternative, because we can always go back to the same choices that we've made historically, right? If, if piling more onto your day has been your success strategy, even if it hasn't made you super happy, it's been your go-to methodology for when the shit hits the fan, I'll just do more, right? I'm going to double down and perhaps I'm not busy enough and that's why I feel out of sorts. I need more activity. If if that has been your typical uh, operating principle, perhaps, again, this could just be the the poke in the eye or the bubble or the light bulb that would go try something else. You can always go back to busy. You can busy will is not going anywhere. It's waiting for you at any point. You can pick up busy, but if you've never tried on simple, why not give simple a try?
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah. So great. So so on a daily basis now, we, you've got a simpler life in the sense that. Certainly, the physical environment is simpler. I'm guessing, though, with the book, with your work, there's different demands on your time to show up and participate and support people in their journeys.
0: There are, however, compared to the job I had before and the life I had before, this is so much better because I'm very intentional about how I spend my time and energy. And so even with a book coming out, a book tour, talking to more people, you know, really doing more uh, in terms of my business in a very concentrated period of time, I've been really mindful about how I feel, how I'm treating myself, how I'm treating the people around me, and backing off when I need to back off, and things that I never would have done before. I just would have went, you know, head first and hoped that I would come out okay on the other side.
1: Got it. Put your head down and plow forward. Yeah. Got it. So tell us, why don't you share with us a little bit about if you like daily routines or things that you do to check in, what, what can, what can the average listener do who might not have a system like their system is an alarm goes off, jolts them awake from slumber. They head possibly into the bathroom to do their business, maybe jump in a shower, uh, Brush their teeth, comb their hair, if they have hair, uh, and or go drink a cup of coffee or some tea, you know, get some caffeine. So first drug of the day, start the engine going with some some chemicals, and then off into their day. What are some alternatives to moving from sleep into activity that... Uh, Perhaps are less stressful to your body and more supportive of you as a human being and participating in a different way in your life.
0: One of the first things that I did uh, after my diagnosis, within a few months, is started rethinking my mornings. And this happened after going to a yoga class. I wanted to capture that feeling that I felt after the end of the class, even when I didn't go to to class. You know, how could I do that in the morning, even though I was still working full time? You know, raising a a child, very busy, busy, busy. How could I do that? And so I started with a five minute yoga practice. I traded one of my snooze buttons in the morning because I used to have that routine you mentioned, except I sandwiched in five snooze buttons before I got <laughs> all the way out of bed. So I traded one snooze button for five minutes of yoga, and I did that for a full week. And then I added another thing that I really love doing, which is writing. Mm-hmm for five minutes for a full week. And then the next week I added five minutes of meditation and and traded a snooze button each week. Very slow process for me. I felt like I should have been able to do it much faster, but I knew that approach didn't really work for me in the past. So I stuck with this really slow and steady approach to building a morning routine. And once I had those three activities, I, and I call that habit stacking. So I popped mm-hmm. one habit on top of the other. And then I started adding one minute a week to each activity. One minute, which I laughed at. I was like, how are you, you're not going to be able to just do one minute. But I made myself stay with that because it kind of tricked myself into wanting more of that good stuff. Mm. And I built it up to 30 minutes. And really that was all that I had time for. And I did that before email, before my daughter woke up, before coffee, before really anything else. I just fueled myself with things that I enjoyed. And then over time, it started changing my entire day because whenever I felt like I was getting run over by the day or uh, ready to kind of overreact, I could go back to that feeling of morning routine and pause or underreact, take a breath. And now, today, many, many years later, my routine is often two or three hours long.
1: Got it. So let's just go back to the beginning and tell me and tell the listeners when in that first week, right, the the first the first news button that you swapped. uh, If there was a conversation that said, "Oh, just push the button. Let's not do it today." What did you do? You have any tips or suggestions for that? You know, that undermining, insidious conversation that is going to possibly try to interrupt your new desired behavior. What did, Do you remember what you said to yourself? Uh, anything that you, you want to share with us about that?
0: Sure. A couple things. Um, and this went on and on because it wasn't just that first day that I would have those conversations. <laughs> But one thing I told myself was you only have to do it today. Excellent. And if you get there, you get into the, I I practiced in my guest room at the time. If you get there into the room and you don't want to do it, then go back to bed. But every time I could get down those stairs and into that room, I was okay moving forward. So all I had to do was convince myself to get to the practice place and then I could practice. And then after time, as that routine grew, and uh, I would say things like, sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do to do the things you want to do. You have to. Sure. Um, You know, I don't always want to eat kale or spinach for breakfast, but I know if I eat greens at as many meals as possible, I'm going to feel way better. Right. So you have to do the things you don't want to do to do the things you want to do. And mostly, I've, come to enjoy those things that I didn't want to do before.
1: Yeah. I tell people all the time that winners do what they have to do, everyone else does what they want to do. And so if mm-hmm. you want to if you want to win, whatever mm-hmm. winning means, right? It's not a competition, but right. that idea of if you want to achieve something, you're going to have to do what you have to do, not what you want to do. I mean, I, I I feel like comfort is far overrated in our culture, certainly in, in developed countries and in Western culture. We're Food, clothing, and shelter is taken care of for so many of us already that the idea of focusing on being a little uncomfortable is ridiculous when you have all of the resources available to you that we do here, particularly in the United States, but really in any Western developed country. You, you're not... You, there's no rain on your head unless you want rain on your head. You have a roof over your head. You're not hungry unless you want to be hungry and you're not naked unless you want to be naked. So this worrying about comfort as if a little bit, it's outside of my comfort zone or a little bit of discomfort is really, it's momentary. You will have forgotten that discomfort in 15 minutes on the other side of something. Whatever you thought was such a big obstacle will be gone. But it is, when you're confronting it, it can sometimes be, Monumental, I mean just getting out of bed and getting yourself into the practice room like that's that's all you have to do so It's that first step, and it's certainly just to just to button that up around you just have to do it today you don't have to do it for the rest of your life just today exercise today, you know do something today rather than deferring it and putting it off until tomorrow Yes.
0: I feel like I'm just nodding my head the entire time you're talking. So <laughs> sorry if that's distracting. I just could no. not agree more.
1: No, it's great. It's great. So, um do you so today, simple life, simpler life, busier but simpler life, more in touch with the choices that you're making. Do you still find that there are places where you get snagged where um, you are finding that you're losing time or where you feel that uh, that compression come up. You know, I think it's helpful for the listeners to know that even though I'm supposedly, you know, in air, I'm, for the video watchers, right, in air quotes, I'm the most organized man in America, it doesn't mean that my life is perfect or that, uh, that there aren't challenges to getting through the day. I, I still... 24 hours is, I still have 24 hours, just like everybody else does. I don't have 26 because I'm the most organized man in America. I might be able to leverage those 24 hours, uh, in a more efficient way than some other people, but I still run into my own challenges around, I really want to do this, but I really have to do this. I really don't want to do anything. I want the day off and I, am I, I've committed to doing these things and I want my word to be my bond. So I'm going to suit up and show up for this. And then I will allow myself some downtime later, but it is important to me to not blow things off just because I'm the boss of me. So I can.
0: Yeah, no, I don't have any challenges. I'm perfect and all my days are perfect awesome. as well. Awesome. It's so good to meet you. No, <laughs> no I, I feel like I'm still a bit of a hot mess, even though my life is much simpler than it was. Uh-huh. Uh, if on the days that I don't practice my morning routine, I'm definitely chasing the clock during the day. I'm not as focused. Uh, and logically, it makes sense that if I have a, a jam-packed day, that I would skip the morning routine so I have more time for work. Right. But it never works out like that. Isn't that and yet funny? I still test it from time to time and I just mm-hmm. get slapped in the face every single time. Yeah. So I keep coming back to the practice. That's very helpful. Uh also my it's interesting because I talk a lot about simplicity. My blog is called Be More with Less. I'm all about living with less of the of the stuff that doesn't matter to me, but I'm really not after a simple life. Like I never intended to have this simple life with nothing in it. Um, I wanted my life back. So if there are times where I'm traveling or I'm doing stuff with friends and things, I have to let other things go. I just can't fit it all into the day, but I'm more willing to let go now and to sacrifice that whole, like, oh, what if I miss out on that? Or maybe this is gonna to have to slide a little bit. And not commitments that I've made to other people by any means, but the 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 stuff that I put on my own plate, like right. thinking I'm going to accomplish this much in a day. I don't know, I'm sure people that aren't watching the video can't see that, but it's always usually this much that gets done, like a fraction right. of what I think I can accomplish. I still tell myself that story. Like you can get all of this done, but what's different now is at the end of the day, i don't measure myself by what I got accomplished like I used to, so I used to say things like, "Oh my gosh, you only got ten of these two hundred and fifty things that you said you were going to do today. You are a failure. Um, you didn't do what you were supposed to do, you're not productive, you suck yeah and today, I look at it and say, well there's I guess we can look at that tomorrow because I'm not what I do I'm not what I get done yeah. I'm person without getting anything done, to be honest.
1: Yes. Thank you for that. I, just last night I was laying on my rug, again, for those of you who are watching the video behind you, I was laying right there behind me on the floor. And uh, CBS uh, Sunday morning was here interviewing me, which was awesome and delightful to have them in my living room. And then they left and I sent out a few emails and I was just laying on the floor, just relaxing and acknowledging, I was just interviewed by CBS Sunday morning, how fabulous for me and fabulous for the work that the work gets out into the world. It was, the point of it, it was not the fabulousness of of, uh, being on on a television show as much as being able to actually just celebrate and appreciate something that I had done, a, a fruit of my labor, and that that was enough, that I didn't need to task more, that I could actually, um, I, and I was talking to a friend about it afterwards as well. There's a great line in um, in uh, uh, Postcards from the Edge, Carrie Fisher's uh, book, and also then the film with uh, Shirley MacLaine and, and Meryl Streep, in which Meryl Streep's character playing, um Uh, I don't remember the character's name, but basically Carrie Fisher (laughs) talking to whoever Shirley MacLaine was playing, which was really Debbie Reynolds and saying so much of my life is wonderful and it's, I can't feel it. And it's certainly the, the addict mindset of more, 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 whatever I have is not enough. I need more. But I think that whether you're uh, an addict in the sense of, you know, like a, a recovering at this, I mean, she's passed away now, right? But as Carrie Fisher was a recovering alcoholic and drug addict, um, whether you're an active a- addict or in recovery uh, from your addiction, um, or you're not addicted to anything, but you still are an achiever, that sense of more as opposed to there being a way to just acknowledge and somehow feel what enough feels like. And I think for those of us who are built to do more who are who are e- either driven by addiction driven by service driven by achievement to be able to settle into a place of just oh, wow yay look what i look what i made and it's enough it's enough for the day it can just be enough i don't need any more in this moment and i know for me the journey to that has been very long. Uh, I'm built for I'm built for achievement and service, for better and for worse. There's nothing I'm going to do about it, and it can grind me down. So it is helpful to be able to celebrate those those breakthroughs because they happen uh, at every at every stage of development at every. Place in our life, and and it was powerful for me. You know, it was a little moment, but it was powerful for me to just say, "Wow, it's enough. It's enough."
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Like our stuff needs stuff, and our to dos need to dos. Like, and like your interview. Congrats, by the way. That's amazing. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, But there must have been some part of you was like, "Now, what do I have to do for that? Do I have to go promote this? Do I have to share this? Do I have to tell somebody about this? Do I have to write about it?" what but you decided to check in and say how does this feel and the more we can have those check-in moments because they only last for such a tiny moment right. that if we can do them more often we really get to enjoy the lives we're creating
1: exactly i mean because at the I, yeah i don't want to get to the end of this it's not it, the the tote card of having checked off a million things and accomplished a million things and supported people in changing their lives in fundamental and lasting sustainable ways, which has tremendous value to me and, I'm, and to you as well, that that's not the sum total of this experience. I'm not just here to be a, a doing machine to serve other people. I also get to experience and celebrate being here.
0: Yeah. Yes. I here I go again, shaking my <laughs> head. It's so important and something that we we really overlook. And I don't know, and maybe it's like you said, like maybe we're built for that, for the doing. Um, but also we're just always in this constant cycle of catching up and not falling behind and keeping up or whatever it is. And everyone around us is doing the same thing. So we're kind of all on this bus and we want to be on the bus with everyone else. but. I guess we have to step off once in a while and say, how's it going? Yeah. yeah, Am I going in the right direction? Am I on the right bus?
1: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's uh, here in Manhattan, right? I mean, you get on the A train at uh, 42nd street. It stops once at 59th street. It doesn't stop again to 125th street. And you only have to do that once before you realize, oh, you you have to get off at 59th Street and change to a local, or you will end up on 125th Street. And there is no opportunity. You would just watch your stop whiz past you like, oh, I wanted to get off at 86. I wanted to get off at 96. I wanted to get off at 103rd. It doesn't matter. The, the train is not stopping till 125. So if you want to get back there, then you have to go on a, on a southbound train and get on the, make sure that you get on the local. So you only get on the express once if you're paying attention before you realize, right, I need the local of this train. This, the express is not going to serve me. I, yeah, it will take me further than I want to go and not in the direction I want to be going in.
0: Yeah. We don't have time to talk about my subway experiences forever. I could only take the one. My friends would tease me. I'm like, if the, if the one's not near me, I'm not going.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll save that for another conversation. Okay. So tell me if you could change one thing about the world today, what would that be?
0: Oh, thanks for that easy question. Uh If I could change one thing about the world, here it is. There's 50 things that I want to change, but if I could only change one, it would be that we all start taking better care of ourselves. Uh, That in itself is going to change the world in so many different ways. Uh, We have to start with ourselves. We can't consider it selfish we have to take better care of ourselves. I mean, it, it is the simplest thing to think about, but the thing that we deny ourselves so often in the in form of food, sleep, um, how we treat ourselves, how we let other people treat us. Uh, we, if we wanna be whole and give our very best and enjoy and appreciate the best our lives have to offer, we have to take better care of ourselves.
1: Excellent, great. Thank you for sharing that. And so that's an invitation to everybody who's listening. Let's, uh, just for today, as a start what think of one thing that you can do today to take better care of yourself it doesn't have to be huge but wherever you are in your day while you're listening to this before the day ends do one thing to take better care of yourself that'll be the that'll be the challenge that i'm going to throw out there for the listeners cool and i'm delighted seriously to have you on the show. And I'm curious when you when you thought about coming to join us here on Unstuff on America, what does when you hear the the phrase Unstuff America, what what does that conjure up for you or what did you think of? What what do you think Unstuff America means?
0: I mean I kind of thought of it in terms of letting go of what doesn't matter to us so we can have the room, the space, the time for what does Um, and not only for ourselves, but really influencing the people around us, not by nagging and convincing them, but by walking the walk. Mm -hmm. So focusing on our, our, ourselves first and getting rid of our own stuff. And then people start to ask you questions like, why are you smiling so much? (laughs) Why, why aren't you running as fast as I am? Uh, why are you living like this? And yes, I think that's what first came to mind is the the physical stuff too. really focusing on that first, even though that's sometimes the easiest stuff to work on, you know, rather like working on the stuff around you versus the stuff within you. Sure. But sometimes you have to start there and make a little room so that you have a minute to go in to process what's happening on the inside.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. That's, uh, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that with us. I, um, people ask me about, Clutter stuff all the time, and uh, it is because it 's on the surface it's the it 's the easiest thing to access right but it 's always the stuff behind the stuff it 's never the stuff itself it 's just it 's just stuff in and of itself it doesn 't have a story it you the story is you you generate the story the stuff doesn 't have a story built with it other than like American uh girl dolls or possibly Cabbage Patch dolls that come with a story, most stuff doesn't actually arrive with a story, it just is a thing. You bring the story to it. And that, you know, hats off to them from a marketing point of view. It was brilliant to decide, we're gonna marry the story to the object. It will be that much harder for anybody to get rid of it because the story is what's keeping you stuck in the first place. So. We're gonna we're gonna bond it to the object, so you you have to keep the books and all of the paraphernalia because the doll is is storyless without all of its little accessories.
0: Yeah, I've decluttered a lot of both of those things over the years. <laughs> it's crazy with the, with the stuff around us. Like we we know how to let go of it and how to declutter. Like we completely understand that you take it and you put it in a box and you put it in the trunk of the car and you send it to where it needs to go. We get it up here, we get it on a head level, a brain level, but not on a heart level. Like our our hearts wanna hold on so hard. But as soon as we understand that connection that you were just talking about, that we put the story on the stuff, then we could start to let go with more ease.
1: Yeah. And as you point out, I mean, it's harder or more challenging, less comfortable, less familiar to focus on your heart in that sense of, I get the idea to have the relationship with the object, and the object is a poor facsimile for a person or an experience that by all means, I encourage people to have deep, intimate relationships, just not with inanimate objects. So love harder, love deeper, love bigger, Direct it towards somebody that will, you know, literally somebody, something that will reciprocate. It doesn't serve you to love your iPhone if your iPhone won't love you back. But you can certainly love your best friend, or your partner, or your child, or your parent, or your neighbor, or somebody that you're volunteering for. You know, down the block. I mean, you don't need, you don't need to be married to somebody to love them, or related to them to love them. There's an opportunity to I mean, when they say, love your neighbor, that's what they're talking about. You don't have to make love to them, but you, you know, you can open up your heart and be available to participate in a shared experience where you will get something back.
0: Yeah, definitely. We devote so much of our attention to stuff, not just the stuff we own, but the stuff we want to acquire, you know, when's the sale, how many points am I going to get for that, And then we finally get it and we've invested so much time and attention and money that we have to protect it and then keep pouring that time and attention and love into, but that, those are all limited resources. Like if they're going here, they're not going to the places that it might mean most. Right. I mean, I think you nailed it. It, it. If we're giving our love to our stuff, we're not giving it to people, to causes we care about, to passions, whatever it is. Yeah love something that matters.
1: Yes. Love something that matters. Exactly. So uh, as, we, as we wind up today's conversation, and I'd love to have you back on the show, um, but for today, is there any last um, suggestions, ideas, um, a loving farewell that you'd like to share with the listeners? Some, some other item that we either haven't touched on or something you want to reiterate as a, as a farewell and a, um, a launching off into the rest of their day?
0: Sure. Something to consider. Um, I think we often put the focus on these big, massive changes like becoming debt-free or becoming clutter-free or downsizing. But all those changes, those big changes, are, are the result of tiny little changes that you make every single day so celebrate those little changes that you're making you're doing such a great job like just the tiniest thing is going to lead to a a big massive change in your life and we have to to celebrate and appreciate that and yeah thank you
1: excellent thank you that's wonderful so yes so it's the it's the micro it's the micro changes it's the minute a morning that you added to your practice, that that is really where it all begins. So that, that that's, a, that's a takeaway for our listeners is really, you don't need to focus on the macro. If you focus on the micro, it's like, what do they say? Um, watch the pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves. Um, that, that, that's another one when it comes to time and our stuff and our choices, right? Focus on the minute and the hours will take care of themselves love it excellent well courtney it's really been a pleasure to have you on the show today why don't you let our listeners know one more time where they can find out more about you and your work and how to um to uh, follow you and participate with you
0: sure they can visit my blog which is bemorewithless.com. and i'm on most social media at be more with less
1: excellent Well, Courtney, thanks again for joining us for uh, this episode of Unstuff America. For all of you listening, thank you for joining us for another episode. We'll see you back here real soon. And remember, love something that matters. Thanks
0: for listening to Unstuff America. If you like what you've heard, please leave us some stars and a favorable review at iTunes. And be sure to visit andrewmellon.com, where you can get Andrew's three-day quick start course. It's the quickest way to jumpstart your organizing efforts now.